I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 17th, 2017. The only thing we have to fear is the economic health of this nation has there are been four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar, for lack of a better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon. This week we got a special research-only show, and I don't know why this music is not fading, but what? it sounds really loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so today we've got Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keen, our two research analysts. We even brought along... Good old Morgan Sanchez, who's uh, interning with us this summer. Uh, it's good to have him here, and he's going to talk to us a little bit maybe today about a uh, dog of the week. But, um, guys, we got lots of information this week. We heard from the Fed. We've seen uh, uh, the market kind of recover from last week's uh, – I, what, what would you call that last Friday when uh, technology the got tech kicked around? Yeah, it, it got hurt. What yeah. was it, 5% in some of those cases, right? Yeah, at the uh, lows of the day, I think, you know, most of the FANG stocks were off around 5%. It was, it was pretty ugly. But, right. I mean, the, it did somewhat recover by the end of the day. Not not flat by any means, but definitely well off those lows. Yeah, we'll talk a lot about that later in the show. But uh, we, we uh, do note that even with a big sell-off like that, technology still leads the pack. Uh, market overall for the year, uh, we've got a positive return, 9.93%. We generally get around a, an average of 10.5% return in a year's time. Uh, so we're almost there. Can we just sell and go away? I mean, we're past May now. You're too late. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So yeah. we now have to wait you're, the you're Santa stuck Claus for the rally. year. It yeah. depends. Are you finding up to the chopper to head to the Hamptons? Uh, no. <laughs> That'd be a no. <laughs> I wouldn't be able pretty to find interesting the topic hand. all to itself, though, how you see kind of volumes decline in the summer True. months. Yeah. True. Yeah, I think For yeah. that exact reason. Right. Uh, you even see it around locally. Traffic declines. Uh, you know, lots of things happen, especially when the economy is doing well. So uh, people people get out and have a nice vacation. Uh, S&P 500 year-to-date, 9.93% information technology, almost double that, 18.79% on the year, even after a big sell-off. Yeah. Uh, healthcare following uh, very closely behind 13.65%. Utilities in a market that's up almost 10%. Utilities is the third-ranked uh, Returner with slightly over 12%. That, to me, is pretty different. I think we're still having lots of follow-on. There's uh, it's nearly impossible to find 
yield, uh, yield in, in uh, fixed right. income markets, people that, uh, that really need that current income from, uh, from their investments. And if you, if you think about that, where most people's minds were going into 2017 were a transition um, out of utilities and a move into financials as, you know, we anticipated some Fed rate hikes, which we've gotten. Yeah. Um, but you haven't seen the yield curve steepen like a lot of people expected. So if you look at returns, um, you have financials, while positive, almost up almost 6%, 5.77%. They're the third worst performer. Right. Um, and then, as, as you mentioned, you have utilities up 12%. Because well, you, you, I've, seen some, I've seen some interesting commentary recently where they're almost considering tech as a, a, a safe haven type trade. In that you, you do have that secular growth, sure, and there's concerns about what rates are going to do, how the economy is going to do. But we, but at the end of the day, you know that it, it's like I was telling you guys the other day that Apple and Microsoft and those companies are going to be around and, and growing. So it, you, you see healthcare and utilities there, you know, typically defensive type names. Up at the top with tech, so yeah. it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, and that utility trade again, you know, it's current income. When we talk about that, we're talking about the dividend yield, uh, dividends that seem, you know, really relatively stable. Obviously, if we're investing in a dividend-paying stock for uh, the purposes of receiving that dividend, we make sure that uh, uh, earnings cover the dividend payout very well. So um, in utilities, what can you get? Like three and a half to four and a half percent right now? Yeah, roughly. Uh, which is well above uh, some of the uh, fixed income yields you can shorter, get. For sure. Definitely yeah. the shorter term fixed income yields. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what do we got on a five year? Um, I think what's the treasury? Ten-year treasury. The ten years at two one six this yeah. morning. It got down to two eleven uh, right. a day or two ago. Yeah, so that's supposedly taking no default risk. You're getting two point one four. You can obviously equities have uh, they don't have any uh, promise to pay you anything, unlike a bond where it's a contract that the company issuing that bond borrowing the money from investors. Uh, sure. You know they they have a, a legal obligation to pay you back, so there's there's a bit more risk. Uh, Absolutely, in those equities, but at the but same time, you can do your research and find those those dividend paying stocks that, without being certain, you feel pretty confident yeah. that you're going to receive that dividend every quarter or semi annually, right. depending on you know yeah. how they pay it. Right. Back in 2001, we wouldn't have been so sure. We had uh, right. Enron going on, and and that hit a lot of uh, utilities, but. Since that time, I think most of those utility companies have moved away from any of their non-regulated businesses, which is where Enron got into trouble. Uh, they don't have uh, much in the way of trading as far as a percentage of their overall earnings. Uh, it's a relatively safe spot. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, utilities doing well, even in a time when the market's, uh, market's up almost 10% in just a, a bit less than six months. Um, from the economy, we've got wholesale trade out this week. It looks like inventories took a pretty big step backwards in April, uh, and they say they may remain a drag on output in the second quarter. That was one of the things that the Fed talked about, right? Right, right, right. Uh, producer price index. This is uh, prices for the inputs of our uh, our finished goods ultimately. First of two inflation rings that we got for the week. Right. Uh, cooled in May, so inflation's pulled back a little bit. Yeah, um, it was flat, and that's what was expected. Um, consensus expectation was for no change. So not not a huge shock there. We had 
Uh, final demand goods prices fell 0.5% in May, reversing all of April's gains. We saw PPI for food down 0.2%, um, and energy was down 3%. So you're seeing that decline in, in oil prices trickle through into PPI, CPI. Right, yeah. So while we're on the subject, what about CPI? Uh, we're below the target rate, right? Uh, yeah, it, if you're looking at headline 1.9, core 1.7%, so that's and, stripping out food and energy. Right. So uh, all things considered, we've got uh, inflation that seems to be pulling back, and what does the Fed do? FOMC um, monetary policy, we get right. 25 basis points, quarter of a percent added, and uh, we were talking about fixed income. The reaction yesterday when, uh, when we see um, the Fed hike rates, Stocks went down a little bit and came back. Came back a little up. bit. Right. They 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 fell on the news and then we saw uh, a uh, increase 25 basis points. If you look at the the uh, U.S. aggregate bond index, uh, you wouldn't normally see uh, yields decline when you're having the Fed right. rate increase hiking yeah. right. hiking rates. So uh, obviously the Fed is is uh, positive on the economy. Probably the biggest news out of that was uh, the fact that they're talking about how they'll unwind the balance sheet and that we should see some of that start this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were talking about maybe early next year, I think, when the year started, earlier in 2017. So now uh, we're starting to see some, some discussion as to how we will uh, uh, we'll reduce the, the uh, bonds that were bought during quantitative easing. I, I think um, it's also coming off, I was talking about inflation, I think it's interesting to talk about the, the Fed's dual mandate. You have you know, unemployment and, and inflation, the two focal points, right? right? You have inflation that even on the Fed's PCE, they don't look at consumer price index, but the PCE is 1.7. So even that has fallen back below their 2% target, um, which I think they said yesterday they expect that to be you know, short-lived and, and over the medium term, we'll, medium term, we'll see a return to that two percent yeah, level. So but then you also look at forecast in this, right? They're, they're sure. Looking, I sure. think I, I think one of the things that was interesting, though, is following the last rate hike, we actually saw the financial conditions ease right. um, as a whole. So I think yeah. they're looking at that aspect and taking into consideration the fact that. We are starting from a level that we hadn't been before, and we're trying to get back to normal. It's not really a, a matter of trying to cool off the economy as it is, just get back to a normal level. And with normal what level of interest rates. You're right. And, about, right and, yeah. and with what uh, they're mentioning about unwinding the, potentially unwinding the balance sheet starting in September, I think that's going to give them uh, the ability to affect the shape of the curve in a way that they haven't been able to before, and that they can kind of elect – uh, what maturity they want to sell. So if they wanted to start rolling off some of their longer-dated bonds to start yeah. with, that would pressure the longer end of the curve and you know maybe give them a little more ability to move both ends of the curve, not just the short end, but the long end as well. Yeah, while you're talking about that, we did have a slight flattening this week. Uh, if you look at the two versus the 10-year Treasury note, uh, two-year raised uh, five basis points. The 10-year was up two basis points. We're talking tiny moves, but it all has an effect over the long term. Week to week, you know, the moves are minor. but uh, Three basis points every week or something in that range, it adds up. Yeah, it, it surely does. Um, well, guys, we've got plenty of other information we could talk about. I think it probably covers most of it. Jobless claims we had, it's a weekly number, uh, nothing major out of that. But uh, why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back with a dog of the week and uh, – answer some questions that we've gotten. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We can't 
for the Dog of the Week. Dog of the Week. we got a guest Dog of the Week this week. I uh, introduced him earlier. This is uh, Morgan Sanchez, and he's got some honest uh Awesome information for us about a dog of the week. This better be good. Yeah, I think I got a pretty good one. It's pretty ridiculous, actually. Uh, This was actually reported on Sunday. Um, EasyJet, which is a low-cost British airline, if you guys don't know what that is. EasyJet. Yeah, uh, had a flight going from Spain back to Bristol, um, and it was delayed for 40 hours uh, up until the time of the flight. And uh, once everyone got on, the pilot came out of the cabin and uh, made an announcement to everybody that there was a 50-50 chance of one of the engines just not working uh, during the flight. Uh, And then he asked for a show of hands for people who wanted to stay and just try to do the flight anyways. Uh, And if that's not ridiculous enough, uh, 12 people actually wanted to just fly home because they were already so angry that they (laughs) they did so wrong. I know. If I can't go home now, I'd rather die. Right. Basically, it's what they voted. <laughs> exactly. Holy smokes. Um, and there was actually one guy that was like just so traumatized from the whole thing that he actually threw up on the flight. And even wow. after all this happened, there was another two hours before they could get off the plane uh, and get on another one. How does regulation allow for that <laughs> to even happen? I, what was he? I mean, he was serious about it. Seems so. And uh, th- of course, like the airline later had to apologize for it and everything. I just thought it was weird did, that. Did the flight go? No, it didn't end up going. They had a replacement plane later. Not that I would take the risk, but if the pilot was like, well, we can give it a shot. Why don't you you just say we have a maintenance issue? You're going to have to get off the plane. Honestly, you've you've delayed people 40 hours at this point. I have concerns about that pilot, the the risk he's willing to take. (laughs) Hey, if you guys say you want to go, we'll go. (laughs) I think at the end of the day. Yeah, leave it up to the the client, I guess. uh, The customer's always right. We're going to do this. They said they wanted to fly. We flew. Oh, well. I had an update for one that – I had done probably a couple of months ago. There was a gentleman, and we'll call him, in uh, Kansas City, a uh, 70-year-old man, um, had uh, robbed a bank. He handed the teller a note. Uh, the oh, teller know, gave him money. It. He sat down and waited for the police to show up. When the police asked him what was wrong, he said he was really just looking to get away from his wife. So, you know, he got to go to jail instead. I guess if jail is better than going back home to the missus, you got issues. But he got anyway, released, he got, didn't he? He, he? Yeah, I guess the punishment that they decided for him instead of being at jail, he gets to go back home to be with his wife. Lucky guy. So yeah. how long before so he, he robs another bank? I don't know. He said that uh, some changes in his medication made him depressed, and that's the reason he did it. So uh, while depression is a serious thing, um, I, I thought that I would – give folks a, a, a follow-up to what we had going on uh, with that particular story. We finally got to court, and judge sent him back home. All right, then. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know that he claimed cruel and unusual punishment, but uh, that's what he's going to have to live with, right? Uh, all right, guys, we did leave off some of our economic information. Nick, you want to lead us through? We got uh, retail sales, which is always uh, really important with a, a consumer-based economy as ours. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, saw it fall in May, which was somewhat expected. Uh, gasoline prices were the major contributor. Sales fell 0.3%. Um, they had risen 0.4% in April, uh, so had a solid showing in April, but uh, obviously reversing the trend here. In May, gasoline station sales fell 2.4%. Again, this relates back to the same thing we were talking about when we saw energy, uh, a big uh, detractor from CPI, the fall in oil prices. 
Yeah. Right. You take away non-store retailers and uh, several other segments, you wind up, and, and gasoline stations, auto dealers as well, and you wind up with an unchanged situation month over month. And so, retail, uh, just retail in general, obviously it's been in the focus, I feel like, all of this year, if not longer, yeah, yeah. especially as Amazon and, and online a, retailing. Right. There's something going on secularly in, in retail. I mean, we talk about it frequently on the show, technology, especially Amazon and any other electronic uh it, commerce is uh, is the leading sure. way that consumers are are using. And if you things. just just look at this release, non-store retailers posted higher sales, growing 11 percent in the last three months compared to the same period a year ago. So all of the growth there is coming from non-store, you know, online. Yeah, uh, I did tease it a little bit uh, last segment. Uh, jobless claims uh, continue their descent. So uh, the employment situation. Still getting better as we go. Um, Long-run unemployment rate is uh, bumped from uh, 4.7 down to 4.6 percent. One of the things that we've been watching closely is the um, uh, the labor participation rate. We've seen it bump up a little bit lately, but it's still not breaking any records. Uh, Where are we at with unemployment? Like 4.47. Yeah. Uh, well, no, 4.6. Well, it, it moved six, from 4.7 yeah. down to 4.6%. We usually think around 5% is a full that, That's the estimate for long-term. I think we're even lower than that. That's the <clears throat> Fed's estimate for well, long-term the, unemployment rate. The Fed rate. actually lately has talked about maybe a 2%. We're at 4.3 unemployment right now. Yeah, that's the thing is – Something is different in the in the economy now as it pertains to the labor situation for sure. I mean, if you're estimating the long-term rate at 4.7, 4.6, we're currently at 4.3% right now on employment rate. Yeah. And it seems like there's still a labor shortage. At least right. you're, you're hearing anecdotal evidence of that. Yeah, uh, the uh, the monthly jobs reports have been pretty strong lately. Uh, we had a little bit of a dip last month, right? Uh, but yeah. all things considered, uh, we're still – Having uh, jobs created uh, in excess of uh, of the uh, increase in our population, so you know all things considered, again, employment situation looks pretty strong. Uh, industrial production rose in April as well. Um, capacity utilization is uh, up 0.6 percent, uh, and uh, I mean, anytime you have industrial production or manufacturing, they they tend to uh, uh, show positive benefits for the for the uh, gross domestic product overall. Right. So uh, there you have it, guys. I think that's probably sufficient for our economic information. Uh, we've got some listener questions, and uh, if you should have a question, you can always reach us at 770-429-9166. You can talk to a live person and ask your question. Uh, we also have a uh, recording line. If you uh, don't wish to speak to a human being, you can call 1-855-429-9166. Leave your recorded message. We play it on the air. Answer the question that you leave. Uh, you can also reach us uh, via email, drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. Dot com. Uh, if you just want to Google us, you can go to our website. You can find us on uh, various uh, social media. Again, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, and uh, you should be able to figure out exactly how to get in touch with us. So uh, seems like a pretty common question lately. Uh, very, uh, uh, I think it's driven by the fact that we have seen such an increase in the market in a short period of time. Uh, is the market... In a bubble. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Is the market in a bubble? 
How do we react if it is? I mean, all these questions come up uh, because you have the market that has increased. We had a pretty significant increase last year, almost 12%. We're up again 9.9, and it's only June in uh, 2017. Um, people are getting a little bit skittish, and is there a reason for that? Uh, we prefer instead of just looking at how much the market has a has appreciated. We also look at earnings. Earnings uh, in the first quarter were up uh, mid 15%, right? Mm-hmm. 15.3, 15.5, something like that. Same uh, implied growth. Right. Yeah. For the uh, for the coming year. Right. Uh, so we know the market is forward looking. Um, if uh, if we go out and, and look at the fundamentals is what we prefer to do instead of just where the market and how much appreciation has been. What do the underlying earnings say? Uh, investors love cash flows. How much cash uh, is being generated by the companies that you're invested in. Those are the things that you have to look at. And, and right now we actually are seeing earnings growth, which over the past few years prior prior to this is something that's been lacking. Absolutely. Despite the fact that the market right. continued to move higher. At least you have earnings growth supporting and to some extent. Growth. Yeah, valuations. I know, yeah, I know early in this recovery we saw for a long period of time uh, companies just got more and more lean. You were seeing uh, minimal, if any, uh, revenue growth. Revenue growth. So sales were, were not budging much, and companies just got more lean, more profitable. There was more making it to the bottom line. Right. Uh, so earnings grew, but um, revenues didn't. We have seen a, a significant change in that lately. Um, if I look at the market today relative to 2007's market top, the, the previous top in the market before our recession in 2008 and 2009, uh, we're 56% above where we were in 2007. If I look at that on the uh, on the basis on of... On what measure is that? Uh, just price appreciation okay. relative to the market. Now, that's from top to top. I'm not right. talking about the appreciation from the bottom, right. which is significantly more. What we're like 200 and... Yeah. Uh, it depends on where you measure from, but about 280, 290% from the bottom. Now, that's probably where most people are looking at their their assets and saying, wow, we've had this 300%, almost 300% run uh, in the market. What's going on with that? But if you look at it from the previous top, which we called the housing bubble, right, Uh, 4.72% annualized return. That's after a significant decline, over 50% the mm-hmm. market fell from that top uh, to, to where we are now. Uh, guys, we're not going to be able to cover this whole thing. It's going to be a long discussion, I believe, about uh, the market, where we are. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back and uh, finish answering this question. Um, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. you a long time doctor i consider you one of my most valuable long-term investments and when it comes to my investments i always do my homework always do your homework when you're doing your investments right Anyway, uh, talking about doing our homework, is the market overpriced? Is it overvalued? Uh, 
let's let's right. just go through it. I mean, right. this is, these are the things that we look at every day. Research. Uh, this is an all research show uh, from Money Talks. Um, again, we're I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here with Nick Antonucci and Jacob Keen and Morgan Sanchez. Morgan, you hadn't said a whole lot since you talked about the dog of the week. What's up, man? Uh, I'm just the intern. He's so, absorbing yes, it all. Intern. He's I'm trying absorbing to learn it all. <laughs> it's at least 50% of your job just to learn, right? Exactly. There we go. All right. Well, we'll there'll be a quiz later, so uh, we'll just see how much you. All right. We'll do that off air. Yeah. <laughs> just in <Fine>. case. <laughs> I like the way you drove the action there. You don't want to do that on the air. All right. Uh, so, guys, we were talking about it. Uh, we're up 56% since 2007. Uh, if you go back even to 2002, uh, the tech bubble, so Two previous bubbles that we all know and, and uh, uh, widely talked about in the market. We're only up 59.7% from the tech bubble, which was 2000. Um, right. So, and, and think, you, you talk about tech bubble and the word bubble as a whole. I know we've yeah. had this discussion before. Is wh- where is the bubble right now, if there is? Right, a right. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I, I think asking if the market is overvalued or if risk is, is perhaps higher here than it has been in previous years is a different question than is is the market and a in more a fair a bubble. more fair question. Right, right. Because when you're talking bubble, I think of leverage. I think of speculating, borrowing money to buy something that you right. think is going to appreciate. And I've looked at you know. Uh, Basically, margin trading, you know, it's, sure, it's, not, severe. Borrow, it's not severe. It's not severe. Borrow money to buy stock. And if you're talking about the tech bubble, it, it, you had companies you, you had there companies. that literally had zero earnings. Troy, you pointed out no revenues. Right. Yet they're trading at sky high valuations. Yep. You have valuations that are elevated in the market, especially in particular names. But it, I don't, that's not at all the case that we're going through right now. Right. right. Uh, it, it, I still would struggle to say if we have a, a bubble where it is, I, and I don't think that there's anybody out there pounding the table. Obviously, technology has, has taken off this year. It's up uh, leading the market. That's where you have uh, earnings growth, though. Exactly. Right. Seven of the top ten S&P 500 companies uh, returning uh, the, the weighted average return are all in technology. Number one, Apple. It's a big weight in the, in the uh, index. But it's also a, a very sizable return. Mm-hmm. So, so drilling drilling down uh, to answer the other question that I was kind of asking as far as valuations and overall risk. Um, if you do look at valuations, a lot of it is built on expectations. Sure. So, if if we do hit a, our forward earnings targets, we're talking about a 17 multiple, which is not that elevated from the historic multiples, probably right. around 16. 16 and a half. Yeah. Um, but if you look on a trailing basis, there are some there are some metrics that are Elevated, so um, we actually have hit. Believe it or not, we ha- have hit a level on the price to EBITDA, which is going to take earn its operating earnings. Right. That's before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Right. We have uh, approached a level that it, that goes back to that 2000 peak. So there's some areas, and some of that may be the fact that. Companies are paying less in interest, so the right. margins are improved right. when yeah. you're talking actual profit margins because if you look on a PE basis, it's nowhere near there. But we can see certain levels where well, we are, you know, uh, if you take a hybrid approach, probably about 20% overvalued from historic levels here. And the way the market is pricing risk right now, um, we had the VIX under 10, which is basically the fear index. Right, yeah, the, the volatility index. Right. And right. volatility means risk in our industry, right? So and about- I think there's only been, you know, uh, 
a dozen or so times where the VIX has been under 10. Um, and we've had probably like five or six occurrences of that in in recent history, you know, right, in yeah. the past few weeks. Yeah, volatility so it, has been very, very light for a long, long time. Uh, there's, uh, I, you know, I've talked about it on the radio show before. Um, what might cause that? It could be algorithmic trading. Uh, it could right. be the fact that we're moving to a lot of investors, especially young investors, are more passive these days. So they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're just investing in the market. What happens when that goes on? Uh, you've got three major companies that provide those uh those passive index uh, type investments, they own on average about uh, almost 20% of the overall S&P 500, almost every individual stock. And are they going to sell because they think conditions are changed? Right. Absolutely not. They're passive investors. I think this that's means the key. that they hold no matter what. I uh, think that's the key. It's the the market's not just going to correct itself. We need some sort of economic catalyst. So. Uh, if, if you kind of walk through it, if we, we look at the steepness of the curve, we haven't inverted yet. If you look at credit spreads, they're nice and tight. Yep. You, you got unemployment at the lows. Um, commodities have rebounded. Consumer comfort, you know, which is uh, near Both current and highs. forward-looking. Right. So one until thing we that I see to that touch. change, there's yeah. no real catalyst. I think part of it, part of the approach needs to be to look at your risk appetite. Right. Make sure that's... It, your plan makes sense for you because if you're asking the question, are we in a bubble? Well, it makes you can think. you time the market is is the question I would ask, and and I would say most often no. Right. So otherwise, let's look at your risk and see maybe we can get some other assets in your portfolio that are less correlated. Maybe we can get you know into some more yield, perhaps fixing well, these sorts yeah, of. Yeah, maybe things. it's time to re- reconsider exactly what your risk appetite rebalance is. Rebalance your portfolio too. That, be a great that's time to probably the best. Your if, if your strategy does fit you, absolutely rebalance, which is going to do what? It's going to reduce your uh, exposure to technology, which has outperformed the rest of the right. market, which uh, does tend to be more volatile than you know than other stocks. Add your um, exposure in those sectors, or, yeah, you or might or even classes find that yourself, are lagging the market. You might even find yourself if you if it's part of your portfolio selling some of the dividend paying stocks i think that True. would probably be a harder True. decision for me at this point but uh jacob i did want to touch on on one thing that you had mentioned you said uh, uh certain metrics make the market look about 20 percent overpriced and i've talked about that recently too especially when it comes to the price to earnings ratio um but if you sit and do the math so something's got to move in order to move it in line right uh, the the price or the earnings right uh if you look even uh, even though because there is a multiple effect um, in that in that ratio, earnings actually would only have to rise about fifteen point three percent in order to get you right. back in line with the average overall. So um, we're not talking about something that's outlandish. What did we say earlier all. in the show? First quarter earnings for the S and P five hundred fifteen point five percent relative to last year. I do I, I would like to temper that a little bit though because when you are investing and not trading you're not just paying for next year's earnings. Right. Um so if you look Long-term. at you know a decade's worth of earnings talking about the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio that is elevated and and one concern uh, one concern I do have is how much the market is pricing in. Uh, regulatory reform, tax reform, exactly. infrastructure. Well, I think a lot of that's driven this year's gains. You know, how effective that's going to be. It, sure. It's very much the Trump effect. You know, people investing on the expectations on, on on the platform that Trump ran on, but really, this far, nothing has happened. Nothing's nope. come to fruition. Right. 
I, I saw a story this week that was talking a little more pointedly at that, and uh, the point that it was making actually is uh, we see Trump under fire. We see the Comey testimony last week, uh, and, and they were making the case that maybe it's it's the uh, regulatory hope and uh, expectation for change that's coming off the market a little bit. But still, we're positive it's, it's, on the week, right? right? Even this morning, right. you have, you know, the news of another investigation into Trump. But what's interesting to me is you talked about the VIX earlier. The days where you see the biggest spikes in the VIX lately are all politically driven. Yeah. It's not yeah. these huge economic events or data points that come out that disappoint. It's it's totally driven on what's the next big political headline right. as, it, as it pertains to Donald Trump. Yeah. One thing. One. One other thing, and, and just kind of gathering all the, all these ideas together. One. One other thing is, I uh, that I want to hit on is the fact that I really do think the U.S. economy is best positioned. So if we're talking about uh, U.S. markets, there's probably a reason there's a premium there. Um, but the economy has gone global, and you look to uh, emerging markets, especially China, where they are, where they're basically growing credit at three times the rate that they're growing productivity, right. where they have a yield curve that has just recently inverted. They're kind of trying to manage reining in some of that credit expansion without basically seizing up their economy. So if we're talking about risk just here in the United States, they're probably not – as sizable as some of the other risks elsewhere when you're talking about Brexit, when you're talking about China. So it's just something to keep in mind in, in a broader context. Right. And one thing that I do want to point out, uh, Jacob, you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's nearly impossible to time the market. Uh, there is never going to be a time when somebody calls and asks me, so is it time to go to cash, that I'm going to answer, oh, yeah, this is exactly right. the way you do. Sure. Uh, one of the other things you could do, uh, we talk about the 10-year rule. If you've got spending needs that have been identified within the next 10 years, why wouldn't you just buy a bond to cover that spending right. need? Don't I mean, take, don't take there's, the market. There's plenty market of ways risk. that you can react, and never will we tell you that uh, you should sell all and go to cash. It's risky. It's it's uh, uber risky. I, I we can, we can just talk about more more of that when we come back and the yeah. effects of doing that. Right. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, music uh, provided by Nick and Jacob here. They love this song for some reason. Stick around. Talking and listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. to bring us back in. Uh, it's a whole lot better than me, to me than the KR Gold. I really don't get it, guys. Oh, I'm uh, for both. I'm for both. Uh, that's, I, that's from my, that's from my hometown move. there in Columbia right there. Oh, man. yeah, there you go. Hootie. South Carolina guy. I forget about you know, that. You know, I saw him uh, when I was younger. I saw him at a golf course and uh, at a golf tournament and uh, went to get his autograph and called him Hootie. And my parents made fun of me forever. Like, <laughs> his name's Darius. <laughs> So there we go. Because I came back with the autograph, right? And he signed it as Darius, and I was like, "What is this? Was that not him?" <laughs> I think I've got the wrong guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, guys, we've been talking uh, about uh, the market. Is it expensive? Uh, let's let's throw out our number again. If you have uh, financial questions you would like to have answered on the air uh, or privately, you can uh, always call us seven seven zero four two nine. 9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. Uh, we, uh, we left off talking about should I go to cash. Um, 
absolutely not. Uh, we're, we're never going to tell you to sit on the sidelines and cash. There's a lot of statistics out there about missing some of the, the top 10 days. The, uh, missing the bottom 10 days, obviously, is going to make you uh, make your performance significantly better. Sure. But quite often, those those top uh, 10 days come shortly after those bottom 10 days. Uh, so you, basically what it is is a lot of volatility. Who wouldn't want to avoid the volatility? I think all of us. But when you look over a long period of time, back to and beyond the Great Depression, actually, which was a, a horrible time in the market, um, you can see that long-term returns, 10-year rolling average return, 10.4%. Uh, just a couple of t- of uh, ten year periods where we did have an overall negative return in the market. So uh, we're always going to encourage you to uh, limit your risk by s- having a financial plan, making sure that your financial uh, plan is married to uh, a strategy to uh, avoid market volatility when when you have less than ten years in the market, and uh, and then you know invest in equities because. It's it's one of the few ways that you can beat inflation over a long period of time. And the, and the tough part is we talk about this all the time when we, when we talk about going to cash or market timing. You don't have to be right once. You have to be right twice. Absolutely. You have to know when to get out and then know the right point to get back in without missing right. X amount of upside as the market starts to rally. So, you know, some of the numbers we'll talk about. Since 1926 through 2016, uh, if you invested $1 – in the market, you'd have $6,035. Wow. Now, if you'd missed the best 45 months, that's a big period, obviously. We'll narrow it down a little bit from there. You'd only have $22.76. So from how many 6, people? 6000 and change? Wow. That's right. I mean, but that's 45 months. Yeah. So, I mean, how many people are going to stay out of the market for that long? I say that, but then you think back to yeah. to the recession. A lot of people, you know, Bailed right. at the bottom. Exactly. Yeah, and they then, were selling in December. And then stayed in cash and missed, you know, how much upside. Right. So look, let's look at more recent times, 1997 to 2016. If you invested $1, you'd have $4.39. If you missed the best 13 months, you'd only have $1.49. And then if you look 97 to 2016 again, let's look a little more granular. If you missed just the 10 best days, your return would be 4% as opposed to 77 had you in, stayed invested That's for the duration. That's an annualized return? That's correct. Four, wow. 4% uh, versus 7.7 just by missing 10 days. Yeah, yeah, that, that would hurt. Uh, wow. Jacob, you made a comment earlier about uh, no catalyst for a significant downturn, and I agree with that. We look at the fundamentals. The market does look a little expensive, but it's been expensive before. Uh, it, you know, Other things you might want to do is stretch out your uh, dollar cost averaging if you were trying to get in the market. Right. Continue doing it just maybe over a longer period of time so that, uh, so that you can have time if, in fact, this happens. We don't know if it gets more expensive from here or less, but you know, over time you would assume that there's going to be a little volatility kick in here or there. Uh, but one of the other questions that I've gotten, and it seems strange that you would have, is the market at a top or in a bubble from, from one group, and then you know you, you have questions of performance. We invest in a, in a high-quality portfolio. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, uh, you know, your, your debts are going to be minimal or easily uh, serviced, meaning that your earnings should be easily sufficient to cover uh, the, the interest and any principal it's owed on the debts. Um, and then the other piece is uh, earnings predictability. So, you know, your company shouldn't fall apart uh, when, when the business cycle goes against them. So uh, what tends to happen there 
if you invest in that manner, that's your starting point, which it is in our case, um, in, in a protracted positive trend, you tend to drag. You're going you're gonna to lag the market a little bit. Think about it in, the, in terms of beta. Uh, we talk about beta a lot in the financial industry. Uh, if you have a beta of 0.9 on a daily basis, if you assume that the market was up 1%, your portfolio should be expected to be up about 0.9%. You're lagging the market just in a single day. However, when you have those periods of volatility, you also lag the market. When the market's going down, you don't want to go down as quickly. And, and uh, we do seem to uh, be set um, all the time on a, on a conservative investment uh, right. stance. So, you know, we know that these, these periods have not gone away. There's not a catalyst in our site at the moment that we could easily identify in the United States, a domestic uh, situation, the economy, uh, the markets don't look uh, set to go down over a year and a half period, a, a recession type uh, decline. So, um, I think you I, know I think when that, that happens, though, is is when you see those portfolios that are more conservative actually rise to the top. It, it it's clear at that point why your long term strategy has has been implemented in that way. So, uh, is it time now then? To uh, get more risky, do we need to throw away our no? Our I don't think so. <laughs> if ever there were a time so. to not get more risky, I think it's when you do see market at elevated levels like right. we're at right now. Exactly that fundamental piece when you can see the valuation and it looks to be above the longer term historical average is when you definitely don't want to go changing things uh, if you are a conservative investor because you know even a, a short term decline. Uh, 10% in a month, which is not uncommon in the financial markets, uh, in the equities markets, should I say. Um, that, too, will add to uh, the benefits of your, your conservative stance. Um, but anyway, guys, I, I want to make sure that we touch that one, too, before we got away from the subject. Do you all have anything more to add? Uh, well, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to reinforce a little bit of what you were talking about with quality because I, I think we, we added an additional element on that that kind of plays into what you're talking about and that I, I think we really think about economic moats and, and that right. if you're talking about a company that doesn't really have uh, the same amount of competitive threats as uh, other companies and in other industries, right. so to speak, Maybe they're they're not able to gain market share at the same pace or grow at the same pace. But then, when <laughs> the times get tough, they have that strong quality cash sure. flow stream that's right. not going to be threatened. Their earnings continue. Their revenues might decline a little bit, but they continue to earn money even right. in a in a bad time. It's uh, and that's not to say. I mean, there's cyclical industries that we participate in. Industrials are always cyclical. Consumer discretionary. Uh, when times get bad. People True. put their Cut wallet back, away. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't spend as much. So uh, you do see revenues fall uh, in those industries, uh, in those sectors. Uh, we're exposed to that, but we try to do the same thing. We take thing. that approach in each sector. Exactly right. It's going to be the highest quality that we can find within that specific sector. And sometimes we, uh, we use an allocation strategy, meaning that we have less exposure than the market does uh, to some of those more cyclical uh Areas. Um, right. I know for long periods of time, we really like the consumer's uh, staples sector, which means you know these are these are paper products, things that you're that you're not going to uh, refuse to buy even if times are bad. Right. 
you know, toothpastes and uh, personal care items, any of those, um, you would continue buying them. And, and we tend to be a little heavier weighted in, in those type sectors, too. So um, even utilities these days, which we have avoided in, in times past because of the fact that they really don't grow much faster than right. um, than the uh, the overall economy. But dividend, it's, uh, sure. it's, it's really been an attractive space lately. Uh, guys, you got anything else to add before I start asking my final question? Is the market up or down? I think the market's going higher next week. Higher next week. Why is this? Any catalyst you want to add to that? I think uh, if you, after today's pullback, this is Wednesday when we're talking, or Thursday when we're talking about this. Uh, um, but with the headline-driven sell-off, I think of the Trump investigation. I think once that passes, we move back higher. Yeah, we haven't seen a whole lot of teeth in those those investigations, no. actionable items yet. Jacob. Market up or down? Yeah, I think we continue to see a little rotation here. Brett's going to improve. Maybe some of the losers of the past few months are going to be winners. All right. Morgan, anything up or down? Just a word. Come on. Up. All right, up. (laughs) He's with me. I'm always up. Listen to Money Talks. Take care. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.